Um, so Matt, a little bit more support from the diaphragm and that'll just mm, reverberate nicely. I, I mean, I didn't have much there. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a little sad. Yeah, it was. I hate the sound of burping. Really? It physically makes me cringe and want to gag. I do not understand that. Wow. That's like one of my best skills. <laughs> what are some of the other ones? T- ask Nate. <laughs> Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Rachel. I'm Lindsay. I'm Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm Caleb. I don't know what to say anymore. It's that kind of day, huh? <laughs> so it's been a week. How how has happened? What's what's changed? <laughs> Isn't that always the worst part of the uh, Holy Post podcast in their second episode they record in a week? Because they're like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, you guys, I know that you recorded too. Like anyone who's been here for five minutes knows what you recorded too. So does this mean we're not going to record anything next week? Freedom! Like, I'm okay with that because I can take my kids school shopping if that's the case. See, look at that. Uh, we planned this so you would have a Monday to take your kids school shopping. You you planned this, Rebecca. We're so proud of you for planning this as well. Thank you, Matt. You did it all by yourself. No help. Well, and I'm preaching on Sunday, so... See, look at this. We gave you a whole week off. Are women allowed to preach in your small town? <sighs> Just gotta slide it in. See, Mike doesn't do it to everybody, so it is misogyny. Is dancing allowed in Kittitas? So, when I have to say... When we were at, at the Jazzercise this morning, um, uh, one of the moves was like a kind of an O up and an up. And it was it was identical to what Sandra Bullock does in the proposal when she's dancing around the fire to the window, to the wall. <laughs> and all I could do was all I could do to not be like chanting. Yeah, to the window, to the window, to the wall, to the wall. It was amazing. I think that I might have watched part of that movie at one point. It's not great, but Betty White's wonderful, so... It's so it's fantastic. It's so freaking funny. Is it a romantic comedy? Listen, Matt's... Okay, so we already know that Strawberry Ice Cream is May. Matt's second, May. All rom-coms, meh. Yep, I agree with that assessment. I'm with you on that. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's still fun. You don't watch a rom-com expecting a good movie. Hold on. What makes something a rom-com? It has this, the, the, you have rising action to some sort of relationship, a loss of relationship and restoration at the end with uh, the tension, sexual tension being there throughout. And um, there has to be funny elements. G-rated emotional porn. So that is exactly why um, Star Wars Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. Yeah, that movie's terrible. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you take out that storyline, the movie's not bad. No. So it's it's the fact that it's a rom-com. And so because it makes it into that category, it's the worst one. Okay. I, I can buy it. No. A rom-com is lazy storytelling where you use simple tropes to play on your emotions without having to develop any character or reasons for people to do what they're doing. And most of them will be solved with one discussion and one line of sentence dialogue at the very beginning of the movie. You just described every Disney princess movie is what you did there, Lindsay. Yeah. We just watched, uh, Anna and I, we watched Free Guy yesterday. (gasps) How was it? Oh my gosh, it was so freaking funny. It's just classic Ryan Reynolds, uh, and it was great. I saw previews for that movie before the pandemic, and I was like, 
oh, I'm going to have to go see that when it comes out. What pandemic? It's over. I was going to go see that. And then obviously the pandemic. And now it's like an hour drive to the theater that's like nice because the one that's actually local to it's only 30 minutes away is hot garbage and I won't give them my money. Um, so it's do it. Is it worth is it worth an hour drive and then to watch it and then an hour drive home? I think it's definitely, definitely worth it. It's pretty funny. We took to go see Black Widow on Saturday. What are you doing? What? Who'd you, who did you take to go see Black Widow? It. Minerva. We took Minerva to go see Black Widow on Saturday. I was really confused for a moment of why you were yelling at me about taking my child to see Black Widow. I was like, it's not that bad of a movie to take her to, man. Well, I mean, you can't fill her head with that feminist bullcrap. Man, that was a great pause. I mean, women can't, like, women aren't real superheroes. I'd like I'd like to distance myself from Mike May at this point. So, okay, real quick, I, let's just go down this list, and I want a yay or nay from each of you. Okay, um, could you beat this in a a fight? Okay, if you were unarmed. Hold on, am I naked or am I clothed? You're clothed. <laughs> That is a great question. You can you can produce resources. <laughs> what if I prefer to fight these things naked? You do not have any weapons, Caleb. You're clothed. But I have like a jacket. It's fall. <laughs> I'm just like making sure. Yeah. You've got a nice hoodie. You got the warmth. You're not. Okay. So could, could you beat a rat? With a hoodie, yes, because I'm not touching it without it. I live where there's haunted virus. Yes. Well, don't. Well, don't touch it. Just stomp on its face with your boot unarmed doesn't sell you how you have to do it you're not you don't have to get down and box it (laughs) all right could you beat a house cat yes i have many times why i mean yes if i had to but i don't want to kill a cat i have to ask a question here when we say beat it in a fight can i do this like can i beat it without killing it like is that allowed or do i have to like take its life I think if you can knock out the animal, it it it's like a KO, right? Yes. So I can like I can leave it unconscious or or just render it in some other way unable to continue harming me. To say to say this another way, if you had to encounter this animal in the octagon, would you come out victorious? Okay. I just have to like check because I do feel weird saying that I could kill a house cat. I mean, I could. I could totally kill a house cat. It's not hard, but I could also pick up at but I can also pick up a house cat that's trying to kill me and hold it just fine. Look, if a house cat is attacking me, I am punting that little mofo as far as I possibly can punt it. I just want to know who some of these stupid people are who think they can take like some of these animals. Oh, we're going to get there. Don't don't say it yet. We got to got to get goose. Could you beat a goose in a fight? Yes, for sure. Not without taking some damage because it would suck. Okay, so I think this is the first animal that would do some damage, but yeah, I think in the end I could take it. I think we're allowed to take damage. Yeah, I could take a goose. I would not take a swan. I could not, I would not beat a squan. I feel like I would win in that fight, but I would come out hurt. A medium-sized dog, 50 pounds. 50-pound dog? Yeah, I could take on a 50-pound dog. I would definitely take damage, but yes. 
Yes, damage would be taken, but I could take it. Again, damage would be taken, but I would win. An eagle. No. No. (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. It depends, though. What kind of eagle? Are we in a cage? Is it starting out flying at me? Yeah, see, this is this is a hard question. Because if the eagle's coming at my eyes, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah, do I get to, like, jump it? Like, <laughs> Right, do I have an advantage here? <laughs> or even if it's, like, unable to fly and it's, like, stuck on the ground. If it's stuck on the ground, I can take on an eagle. But if it's flying or has the ability to fly, uh-uh. Mm-mm, nope. See, the problem is, it's like, if you get to use your thumbs, I feel like the eagle gets to fly, right? Because it's like, if you take away its, like, advantage from what it is, it's like, well, if the bird isn't a bird, then I can beat it, like... Right. And here's the thing. Is the eagle trying to fight me? Like, this is part of the question. Well, I can beat all of these if they're not trying to fight me. Because if the eagle isn't trying to fight me, there's no way I win. It's just going to fly away. Right. So if it's coming at me, then that changes the calculus of the fight. And I, But I think, too, like the first moment its claws touch any part of your body, that's just almost game over right there. Yeah. Or its beak. I'm sorry. Have you seen? I see. Though I think I think we're talking damage. We're talking serious damage. But I don't know if that renders you in a like if it tries to grab on and you can just like swat it down real quick while it's on your arm. Like remember, birds are basically dinosaurs. So <laughs> right. But have you seen an eagle's talons? I could I could take a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. They're so big and they're so powerful. It's like just. I'm not saying you'd like come out intact. I'm saying you'd probably lose an arm or two, but Matt's getting neutered by the eagle is what I'm hearing. Caleb said we had clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, with most of these animals, my plan is to lose an arm in the fight. So Australia lost a war to emus, y'all. So remember that in this discussion. The next one is a large dog. Nope. Absolutely could take. Might lose an arm. I, I think large dog might be the line. Those things are bigger than me, and they're stronger than me. Okay, but you just have to know what you're doing with the dog. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. You fight it like you fight a lion, okay? How do you fight a lion when it's coming at you? Not well. Have a gun. Yeah, I understand the question. No, you take you take your fist, and you shove it down their throat, and you choke them from inside of their neck. That's true, you gotta lose your arm. Yeah. I saw a Russian guy talking about that with a bear once. That's how you fight them. Well, you, right. You have a large dog. That's how you fight it. Second off, I have a large dog who gets very playful and I know how to like, I know how to work him. I'm not about that life. Yeah, but him trying to eat you is a different story. Like, But I have the practice of when he's jumping at me, I know how to move so that I can get him to miss. I think here we have the difference, the, the Mike Tyson uh, statement needs to come into play where uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's how I feel about the large dogs. Like, I understand what you're saying, Caleb, and, and I'm not going to disagree with, like, your ability to take it. But for me, there is no way in hell that I'm going to take a large dog. Like, that's got me. Oh, I was going to I feel like this is where we start crossing into is beating it, getting away mostly uninjured or does like losing your arm count as beating it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if you lose an appendage, I don't know if you won. You can win a fight with a broken, like a broken bone. So I think. Yeah. No, you can still win. Yeah. But like, but like, but like sacrificing your arm to an animal, like that's, that doesn't feel like winning. That just feels like not losing. It's not dying. I think you still win. I think you still beat it. I think it's still, I think it wins. In my mind, 
the animal is attacking you, so it's either you're going to die or you're going to get away alive. Well, no, we're not saying this was to the death. We're saying that this was who wins. Yeah, no, if the animal knocks you out, that counts. That's why the dog could beat me. The dog would somehow or another take a good swipe at me at the wrong time, hit me in the temple, and I'd be out. Like, I'm telling you, the large... <laughs> next animal, next animal. Chimpanzee. No. Yeah, heck no. No. Oh, absolutely effing no. No. Easy. No. Okay. Okay, the next one, the next one though, King Cobra. Nope. I could definitely win that fight, but I might die too. That's not winning. <laughs> Then you don't win. Cobra Venom, but Cobra Venom isn't that strong, is it? It's not immediate, right? So the Cobra, the Cobra bites me. Okay, good. Now I can get a hold of it. I'm winning this fight. I'm walking away. But the Cobra, so the Cobra's dead, but I also might die. Okay, uh, uh, the Venom is not the most potent among venomous snakes, but the amount of neurotoxin they can deliver in a single bite up to two tenths of a fluid ounce. Is enough to kill 20 people. So. Yeah. Camper Venom can kill 20 people. It's just like, it's only going to kill you in like an hour versus like some of the things that kill you in like 15 minutes. Like. Would, would die, but it would die too. So I'm going to say that that would be a draw. Yeah. We'll call it a draw. Yeah. I'm saying no. Uh, I'm, I'm saying draw. All right. I mean, that's, that's a fine answer. Uh, kangaroo. No. No, those things are mean. They'll drown each other for fun. Oh, uh, No. I saw some at the zoo the other day and I was like looking at the kangaroos and I was like mentally, could I take you in a fight? And I think it would probably have a hard time killing me. You okay, dude, Caleb, like you're great, but something is deeply wrong with your ability to assess this. I would definitely lose that fight. Like if, I, if I'm just like a boxing match with a kangaroo. You think you'd hold your own for a little bit, but it would kick you in the face and you'd be out. Right, I'd be on the ground. I just don't think that it would then kill me after that. All right, wolf. No, I don't think I can take a wolf. I've seen I've seen gray. No way. A wolf is fundamentally the same as a dog. I'm also going to lose my arm. Wolves are not fundamentally the same as a dog. Okay. But but if you've if you've listened if you've listened to the story or seen the movie, is it The Revenant? Is that the one with Caprio that he finally won the Oscar for? That's a bear. But he also got a wolf. I have not seen it. I can't handle that kind of stress in my life anymore. Maybe it's just him in general. So I... There's been enough stories of people fighting wolves. I feel like... I could not take a wolf. It's going to be the same as a large dog. And my tactic is I will lose an arm. Also, is this a single wolf? Yeah, but wolves don't often fight by themselves. And so that's the... I would say that's the question. Is it a single wolf? It's got to be single. Though it's singular in the in the survey. So we got to go survey. All right, crocodile. Heck no, they'll death roll you. No. It depends. Do I know what's coming or not? You know how fast they run? Because if I can get, but if I can get my hands on its mouth before anything else and sit on it, I got it beat. In order to get a crocodile, actually subdue a crocodile, you have to have its whole body subdued, not just its mouth, because it will roll on you. Right, because the thing's got to roll around. I said sit on it. Okay, hold on. Wait, no, size matters. I'm, I'm pretty fat. Yes, it, well, we know that, Caleb. I'm here at 300 pounds fighting these animals, so I have a, I have an advantage. See, that's a good question, man. I don't think I can take a saltwater, but I could probably take a, like an, Am an Amazon crocodile, maybe. Not a Nile crocodile. Like, here's the thing. If this is like a five foot crocodile or alligator, 
for sure I can take it. But if we're talking like a 10 foot, uh-uh, no way. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, okay. All right, that one's that one's up in the air. All right, gorilla. No. <laughs> no. Unless it's a baby. And even then. No. <laughs> Lion. No. No. I don't think so. Elephant. I would lose an arm at least, but no. I would fight really hard, maybe. Elephant, absolutely not. I'm No. Mm-mm. Okay, the thing with elephants is I've never, I mean, bull elephants obviously are very aggressive, but but they're not super agile. So, like, if they're coming at you and you got a good juke move, you could probably, like, avoid it. What am I going to do to it? But they're fast. No. But, like, how are you going to get the KO? Like, are you just going to, like, sit there and be like, (laughs) there's no way to get the KO here, right? You've got to win on decision. And how are you going to, like, you're not going to land enough punches to get the decision. You're you're literally fighting a mound of rock. (laughs) What is the win condition? Like, is the win condition getting away on skates? Because if I could just get away from the elephant, I said specifically, you are in an M- you're in the octagon. So think MMA, and you got to score the points. And the basically, the elephant just fills the octagon. You just got to get more punches in than he does. <laughs> I feel like there's a reason that tool making is really important to people like surviving. <laughs> and last but not least is the grizzly bear. Nope. No. See, it depends. I'm like, again, like, look, I've seen The Revenant. It's one of my favorite movies. No, a, a man can beat a grizzly bear, but it don't ever end well for the man. I was going to say, I feel like this is another one of those situations where I am going to be coming out seriously maimed. And with modern medical treatment, I can survive. But a hundred years ago, I'd end up dead. I don't think I'd take a bear single handed. Well, because it depends on what the animal's doing. Is it messing with me because it wants my Snickers bar? Or is it like, because I'm... Or is it messing with me because it wants me? It's in the octagon. You're in the octagon. It's in the octagon. You've you've agreed to this. Well, this is stupid. (laughs) And I'm going to pull that. I'm a pacifist. I feel like the whole point of this is like, the the better thing would be to can people accurately assess their risks of like BPs in nature? And most of them is in nature. Yeah, heck no. Right, like. <laughs> okay, so the the uh, this article was from YouGov, and um, the the question was uh, presented to Americans and the British, and uh, Americans overwhelmingly believed that they could beat things that the British didn't. I think Brits have a more accurate understanding of their limited human capacity. So when it comes to grizzly bears, it was 2% for the Britons and 6% for the Americans. The biggest gap, though, is goose. Um, And it was 45% of Britons think they could beat a goose in a fight. And 61% of Americans believe they could beat a goose in a fight. I think I'm going to have to go with the Americans on this one. But the spread in men to women is actually more telling than the men, like the British to American. Yeah, it's a substantial spread. I just think, like, you could take a goose, though, right? Like, I I don't know anybody that couldn't take a goose, grab it around the neck, and squeeze until it's done moving. Well, I think it goes back to what does it mean to take a goose in a fight? Right, but how, how did the survey present it? Was it, like, could you kill a goose in a fight? Because I think a lot of people would say, no, I cannot kill an animal. So for most of these... 
So for rat, house cat, goose, medium-sized dog, eagle, large dog, king cobra, and chimpanzee, American women were less sure than British men. Okay. For the kangaroo and the wolf, British American women thought they could beat them at a higher level than a, than British men. Or they're, or they're tied for some of them too. Americans, no, no matter what the gender, believe that they can beat a crocodile, an elephant, a gorilla, a grizzly bear, and a lion. No, more so than like the British, but still, still less than 10% for each of those animals. More American women believe they could beat a lion than American men. And I don't know what that says, but it says something. I guess they just watch Lion King enough. Apparently you just kick him off a cliff. Here's the thing. I've heard enough stories of people who have killed lions with their bare hands that I know it's possible. But that's an animal I feel like I wouldn't have the capability of doing. I would be able to handle the dog and the wolf, which are basically the same. But I ain't handling no lion. Mm-mm. Well, I feel, yeah, well, like in nature too, right? Like I'm way more scared of a moose than, than I am of a bear. Why aren't meese on here? Uh, do they have meese in uh, in Britain? I don't, probably not. They don't have moose out there, but. Uh, they're called, they're, they're called elk. We don't, neither country has kangaroos, so that seems irrelevant. Okay, but are meese in British zoos? Probably. Lindsay, I'm with you. But but what American what British animal do we have in American zoos? There's not a ton there that are big. See, right? Because we killed them all. They used to have hippos. And some other like megafauna, but we killed all the megafauna in Europe. They used to have moose. Moose returned to the highlands after several thousand years. Also, the Brits don't have rabies. That must be nice. No, of course they don't, because they went through and they killed almost all of their mammals to get rid of it. They killed so many animals. They killed almost all of the deer. They killed all of the dogs. They killed all of the cats. Like, England just went through. It's like, we're tired of these animals having rabies, and they just dealt with it. Uh, all of it. We need to, we need to move on, because, again, we've been talking for a long time about this. And we have, this is our one year anniversary episode, so we need to answer some questions. We, we've all been here for one year. We gave the people what they wanted. What the people wanted was animal talk. That's true, actually. We did have a request for that part to go longer. And I looked at that and I was like, no. Did we? We, we enjoy Pastor Becky's Animal Corner, but it's where it needs to be. Can you believe we have all been here together for a whole year, all of us equally? No, we haven't, Mike. You were not. Mike, you weren't here at the start of it, and Matt wasn't on the first one. Matt wasn't here. The Caleb and I and Lindsay, and, but Lindsay hasn't been here for the last six months. So Caleb and I have been here for the last 52 weeks. I don't know if you're sorry. And even both of us have missed a couple. Like we've we've all but the Barely Saved podcast has been around for that period of time. We've only skipped a couple weeks. We haven't skipped any weeks. No, we skipped one. Well, um, as far as actually recording something together, there were two or three, one or two that we put. We released content every week. Right. We released content every week, but it wasn't a recorded episode of us. The one you released, I don't know, some 
I don't know, a sermon you did? I don't know. I didn't listen to that one. Yeah, the last sermon that I preached before that church fired me. Um, I don't think it was related uh, because I preached that sermon after the decision had been made to fire me. I just didn't know that the decision had been made. So. So we have questions. We have questions. This is our mailbag episode. Yay. Let's ask. Uh, let's ask one from some bag named Mike May. If you had to be stuck on an island with one other host. Who would it be? Okay, so every person that's been on the podcast obviously is a host. And uh, I think that just saying that your spouse, because Rebecca asked it in the comment section there. No, you've got to choose somebody that's on this call. On this call? Okay. You've been on a desert island with your spouse for the last year. It doesn't count anymore. Oh, I really enjoyed the desert island with my spouse the last year. Gotta say. the lo- I, If you're on a deserted island with, with one with your spouse for a year and the island is still just the two of you, something has gone wrong. <laughs> um, unless, unless I die in childbirth and so then there's still only two of them. That's really sad. Or if one of you two is snipped, then it's fine. Or, yeah, like Nate and I could totally be on a desert island for a year and not have another. Or if your game is just really that good. No one's game is that good, says the person with the 12-year-old. <laughs> All right, so um, if I had to be stuck uh, with one other host, who would it be? Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna say Matt because I feel like I wouldn't get too upset with Matt. Like we're both pretty even keeled people, and like I, I wouldn't end up being alone because we could survive together. Uh, so it has to be on this call, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just gonna choose your husband. Well, that's fair. I would choose Dan Morrison, but he's not on the call. I know. From a survival perspective. I think I got to go with Caleb. Oh, that's the wrong choice from a survival perspective. I just want to say that. I'm saying that Caleb has, it's time to Caleb and Lindsay. Because, I mean, I have I have hunting and fishing background. Oh, see, I'm taking Lindsay. And if survival perspective, I'm taking Lindsay. I don't know if I'm taking Lindsay, but from a survival perspective, I'm taking Lindsay. <laughs> I say, I feel like I'm taking Lindsay, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying from a, from a let's collaborate and problem solve. I'm taking Caleb. <laughs> I, I feel like I probably could handle myself well enough. So I just want somebody that I'm not going to get frustrated with. And I feel like if I, me and Lindsay were on the island together, it would just end up with outrage at the rest of the world for how ridiculous things are. And so I need somebody who can like have me not outraged. <laughs> yeah. Also... We we should ask the question person who asked the question, how big is this deserted island? Nobody chose Mike. I haven't picked anybody yet. You said Lindsay. No, I said from a survival perspective, I'm picking Lindsay. I don't know if that's who I pick, but if survival is the main thing, I'm picking Lindsay. Nobody picked me either, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> I think I did either. I'm thinking like the smallest Hawaiian island of like the the five. I'm thinking like uh Oh, so big. Yeah, like like not like a tiny rock. I'm thinking like an island with. It's not like Jack Sparrow on a. I feel like it's a tie between Lindsay and Matt in my head. Okay, but you have to choose. This is your question. Yeah, you literally asked the question. I hate making choices. I'm gonna go Lindsay. I'm gonna go Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like I never got picked first for anything, so I'm greatly enjoying being on multiple teams right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, switching teams, Lindsay? 
Okay, so this is a very difficult question because I I don't want anybody to be sad and not to pick them. Um, I mean, I'm used to not getting picked, so the fact that I was picked by one person just makes me excited. So yeah, but with Caleb on this, I'm like, yeah, hey, I wasn't the one who didn't get picked. It wasn't me. I feel like I would pick Rebecca, just in general, because we would have the most fun. Because we would always be going at each other and like just constantly sparring. We're close enough in age and all of those things that we would just. It's her sevenness there. Yeah. that I think that that's where I would have to go. Your three needs my seven. <laughs> but again, if survivor, if, if we're, if my survival is on the line, I'm going with Lindsay. That's true. If it's, okay, so yeah, that's true. Cause there, cause there's survival and then there's like fun hanging out with like so i was going survival yes all right Lindsay, who you got this has been my debate too because i'm like i feel like i bring the snarkiness out of everyone in my like nihilistic existential crisis so i'm not really sure me too which is why i said that we shouldn't be on the same island (laughs) yeah i was like caleb and i can't be on the same island um that or we'd like stage a coup start a cult and take over the world um, oh, then Mike is your choice, actually, because then because Mike's secret ambition is to start a cult. <laughs> it's not very secret at this point, but yes. OK, like, so, you know, really, this is the problem. Like, I, I took one of those, like, I took a Myers-Briggs and like, I'm an ENFP, which is like the campaigner, like. Me too. <laughs> right. Which means that like when I'm idealistic, I'm like super idealistic. And when I'm not, I'm like burn it all to the ground. Um, yep. You've got all these like revolutionaries who are like, you've got like Mark Twain and you've got like. Lindsay, who do you pick? I don't know. Sorry, I'm debating. I don't know which one I need is more important. I can't make decisions. Also, think about this, Lindsay. Think about this. There's a good chance you're going to outlive whoever you pick. And then you have to eat them. Well, that's not. No, 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 no. We're on an island. I'm assuming that there's an ocean and you can at least get fish. I'm going to basically get on a team if that's some of our standards because I'm not going to be any good. Um, yeah, you're really stringy. You're not going to have it. <laughs> See, but that's that's my secret is because then you have no motivation to kill me because I'm better to you like alive than dead. I'm going to count. I'm going to count a three and then you're going to you're going to tell us the answer, Lindsay. One, two, three. I'm resilient to this thing. See, like that has no effect on me whatsoever. So we'll move on. What's your favorite book in the Bible? Ooh, I know Matt's. I have a shelf. Do you want to say it out loud for the podcasters? Because this is a sound thing and pointing at a shelf on your bookshelf is not helpful. Galatians. I'm, I'm going with uh, First John. Mike, you said Genesis? Genesis. It's my favorite. I'm going to go with James this year. I think I'll go with Mark. Um, it's interesting that no one said the Psalms. I do love the Psalms too, though. I uh... No critique. I'm just, it's funny to me that like, that feels like a lot of people's favorites and no one said it. Because it's the only one, I think people only say Psalms because it's the only ones they know. And they're like, oh, Psalms are supposed to make you feel good. And they don't actually know much about them. I mean, I definitely enjoy the Psalms. I read the Psalms every day, but I don't know that it's not like my favorite. When I do like a Bible reading, you know, most people get tripped up around Leviticus. I get tripped up in the Psalms. I cannot read the Psalms like in a row. It just drives me bonkers. David... Stop being emotional. It's why I read two psalms a day. That way I'm not like just trying to slog through it. Just read two a day and you read through it four times a year. 
I had a new appreciation for the Psalms when during our Chi Alpha Bible read through, um, I read the Psalms for an hour. See, and I came to a new understanding that I didn't like them during that same thing. <laughs> and no, what struck me was uh, when I took the Exodus class and he talked about the Exodus um, being the pivotal moment in Jewish history, um, which, I mean, I was a young college student at that point and so i didn't necessarily know that and um so then reading the psalms i was like it how how often it repeats about i for i'm the lord your god who brought you out of egypt like that line is just so repetitive in the psalms that i was like oh dan was telling the truth which i mean i believed him but uh i have a new appreciation for the psalms and how they fit into the rest of scripture because of that rest of the old testament i should say um, so one of the questions from the group is, what's your favorite cheese? That is too big and deep of a question. No, it's not. I'm not classy enough to have a lot of favorite cheeses. It is a well-aged Gouda with wine, and it's not even close. My favorite's Gouda. <laughs> no, it's got to be cheese that ha- it has to be on its own. It can't be made better by your wine. Okay, it's a well-aged Gouda. I don't know. Gouda's a really good cheese. Dude, you get those the good the good cheese crystals and some gouda. Oh. So my favorite is the um there's an Irish cheese. The uh, I think it's called the the Dubliner cheddar. Kerrygold makes it. Uh, with apples or with grapes or with oh, it just is beautiful. I I feel like the thing about this question is this is like asking me to choose my favorite child. You don't have a child. Choose the damn cheese. Right. But I like so many cheeses for so many different things. And if I only could eat one cheese for the rest of my life, which cheese would it be? It's got to be Gouda. But does that make it my favorite cheese? I don't know. Yes. See, I like being, like the, I like that Dubliner Kerrygold, like the Kerrygold cheese in Ireland. But if I could only eat one cheese for the rest of my life, it'd be mozzarella so I could still eat pizza. But have you ever put Gouda on a pizza? But I can't eat pizza from other places. Like, I want to be able to eat, like, regular pizza that I don't have to make. Oh, oh, shoot. You know what? That's a level that I hadn't thought about, Lindsay. And so, ooh. Yeah, no, I'm switching to mozzarella. You got to genie these questions always. You have to be like, if a genie asked you this, how would they F you up when you answered? That is always the way to evaluate these questions. Uh, Sheep. Or goat cheese is my favorite cheese. I'm going to go with cows. Cows cheese. My favorite cheese is uh, sliced American packaged. That is not true. Get, don't even taint my image. I mean, that is definitely a darn good cheese. But I know how to take Gouda and turn it into that. I'd like to I'd like to change my answer. My favorite cheese is Velveeta. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next qu- next question. Think about all the things you can do with it. Nachos and nachos. <laughs> we know what controversial cheese thoughts Matt has, but what controversial theology do you hold? This is a trick question to get everyone to lose their credentials. Um. <laughs> I would say, ha, 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 clever girl. <laughs> I, I would say that my... S- my soteriology is probably the most controversial thing that I have. Um, it's not completely fleshed out, but I think that Christ died and saved the world from its sin. And so that sin no longer has a hold on anyone. 
um, or has the opportunity to not have a hold on anyone, but that requires accepting the grace, the gift that God has given. And if you don't accept that, that's the point at which you are um, sentenced to death, is at the point of your death. But before that... You can't be Pelagian and Augustinian at the same time, Matt. That's not okay. First off, I do what I want. We're not debating these controversial theologies, guys. We're just saying what they are. The controversial position that I hold is what Augustine says right before he contradicts himself, which is that the soul is only immortal by God's sustenance. It's only God sustaining a soul that makes it immortal. Which is only controversial if you're an American evangelical. I don't know if that's a controversial top, uh, controversial theological position, Caleb. It is in the AG. Uh, all right. Oh, it is. It is because later on in the city of God, Augustine describes like how the soul will be in torment forever apart from God's presence. All right. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, I think mine is what happens when we die. That's probably, I, I don't think that there's a, you can't copy me, Matt, Mike, you have to choose something different. Wait, is that what I, is that what you said? I wasn't listening to you. Well, I, I think we just go in the dirt and sleep. That's not controversial and not evangelicalism either. That's that's my nuance. I don't think we go to heaven. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how controversial that one is. Is that not controversial? So I think the thing is, all of our we're all orthodox. We're just not all orthodox for American evangelicalism. That's true. That's true. Well, mine's a little less orthodox. Like I haven't found my position in ancient writings. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I haven't seen it. Um, I would say that mine is. Uh, that that our our pets will be in heaven with us. Ooh, ooh! I know another one. I know another one that I hold is controversial. Women can be ordained. Yay! Yeah, apparently that is a really controversial one. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, my other one. My other one is that dogs are spiritual beings. Whoa! They're no, they're spiritual beings. Lindsay, what's yours? Lindsay hasn't gone yet, and she's she thinks she's getting out of this one. I think they have souls, but that's... Do you, do you think they have souls as in Nefesh, or souls as in uh, Plato's souls? Lindsay, what's yours? Just talk over them. Your audio's on its own channel. Um, I think, probably, again, I think I hit the same vein where it's like orthodox, but still not American evangelical, and I think I lean strongly into conscientious objector status, um, in that, like... Like Christianity should have never picked up a sword, and Constantine is one of the worst things that ever happened to the church. Um, uh, the next question, since we've all answered this one, comes from someone else. Uh, which would you give up if you had to food or sex? I can't answer that question because I don't have sex, and so I would be starving. <laughs> I would, I would starve because the only one I could give up is the one I have. Okay, question what. Can we define food? <laughs> how how would I be sustained? Are we talking like you can only eat rice and black beans? Yeah, because if it's like starved to death, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to starve to death. So that's like. Can I have a smoothie? I could smoothie every day. <laughs> we'll give you calories through IV. But see, even that's not like that'll still kill you. Like it's still not good for you long term. Like uh, we can do it pretty long term. Can I can I masticate without swallowing? No, I think water only. 
I just don't want to starve. You won't starve. You have an IV. But you're stuck like on it all the time. And it's like, I've seen what that does to people. No, you could do the, you could do the disconnectable IV. That's really not good. It's so hard on your body. It is. That's fine. You want to, you want to switch this out and you have a feeding tube? No, no. No one tell my wife this, but the answer is I would rather go without sex. But don't tell my wife. Uh, she's going to listen to this. No, she won't. Yes, she will. <laughs> because I'm just going to cut that piece of sound and send it to her. <laughs> well, that's what's hard. Because it's like, what if be- I've experienced at one point in my life and I know I can like survive. <laughs> that is the thing. We've all, we all have experienced the fact that we can survive without sex. I've been doing it a long time. It's fine. But do we want to? <laughs> I'd say that's the question. Again, been doing it a long time, so I'm good. Yeah, Caleb wins this round just overall. It's like that's that's like the easiest question ever. It's like, uh, hold on, winning? Sit, sit your competitiveness down. We're answering questions from our very few listeners. Uh, Rebecca thinks every question has a winner. What is the most formative book you've read in the last 10 years? Like, can we define formative? I need. I just need a little assistance here. Uh, you can define formative, yes. I'm going to I'm gonna say the Bible. It can't Get be the Bible. The it can't be the Bible. You know better. Shut, shut up. Take that out of your butt. That was a shot down so fast. <laughs> wow, we all hate the Bible in this group, apparently. Yeah, look at that. Like, y'all are a bunch of Bible haters. Also, let's be completely fair. The The question was within the last 10 years, and Caleb hasn't read the Bible in the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was too easy. That was good. I, I think I'm going to go with, I don't know, my 10th grade history book. Because <laughs> I'm young. Uh, no, for, for reals, for... <laughs> For reals, I'm going to go with The Day the Revolution Began by N.T. Wright because it was like, I mean, I've read it twice now and it's still, I read it and I'm like, number one, what is he actually saying? Uh, He needs an editor and also just how much I don't, I didn't know what the like atonement was slash the sacrifices in the Old Testament. I'm going to go with The Lost World of Adam and Eve. Um, That was the book that really helped to challenge my position on hell. Um, That was the book that gave me the motivation to write my thesis the way that I did for my MA. Um, That book has really helped my thinking about what it means to be a person um, who's created in the image of God for the purpose of acting as priests in the world. So because I know a lot of my other books are being said by other people like N.T. Wright and things like that. Um, and I think this probably helps start down thing by divided by faith. <laughs> Ma'am, that book is the most divisive book in the history of books. So says Owen. <laughs> uh, so I take it it's good then. <laughs> So yeah, it's divided by faith, evangelical religion, and the problem of race in America. Ooh, I gotta, I gotta read that one. I haven't read it either. It's real good. It's written by some sociologists who are Christians, um, and they deal with. First off, that can't happen. Sociology is anti-Christian. Come on. 
Yeah. The teacher, the what the writer Michael Emerson is a professor at Rice. Um, and he's from Texas even, and it's a good book that came out of Texas. It feels like what comes out of Galilee, this is that same thing. This is the one thing that comes out of Texas. Okay. Now, definitely, I know multiple good things that have come out of Texas. None of their sports teams. But yeah, seriously, it's a great book. Everyone should read it because it deals with a lot of the biases we have in how, as a individualistic culture, we approach systemic problems and racism. Pastor Becky. Uh, Rebecca. Thank you, Caleb. The Red Wall. That's the problem is I've read too many books that actually form how I think about the world outside of just like nonfiction books. Um, yeah, but people don't have to know that. So you can just choose one and make up the reason why it's the most formative. <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. That's literally how this works. Like Matt literally said he has two that are the most formative. So that is literally exactly how this works. In the last 10 years is what I think. So um, as a recent one that it has been really formative for um, life and relationships in my marriage would be The Road Back to You um, by Ian and Suzanne. What's their faces? Um, mm, yes, the uh, the witchcraft book. The Enneagram book. The Enneagram book that helped you to have an existential crisis about what your type was. No, it helped me. It helped solve the existential crisis about my type was. Um, and yes, such a good book. If you're having an existential crisis about exactly what you are, I think that's very telling onto what number you are. <laughs> okay, but then Caleb does his little shrinky shit thing, and then is like, "Well, if I think the person who's already planning the next trip while you're still on the current one is probably a seven, and so clearly I'm an equal mix of both. Um, so it's <laughs> I'm just I'm just winging it. I'm a wing seven, wing six. Lindsay, I didn't read the book until like a couple weeks ago, and so it's not that helpful. I have weird baggage about the Enneagram and I like refuse. <laughs> oh, then you should read it. It's good. It's good if you're a baggage. And, and you know, Harry Potter and Tomorrow Pierce and Better Together by Daniel Strickland. Those are also on my list. Uh, my answer is um, Salvation by Allegiance Alone. That was going to be my other book and I, I hoped you would say it, Matt. <laughs> See, I, I, so me and Lindsay both were on that train and if you said it, I was going to go with Paul and the Gift. Ah, uh, yeah. So I had that was my backup because I I wanted I wanted to make sure Lindsay went before I did, because obviously Salvation by Legion Sloan has been world changing for me because it just made so much make sense, uh, which was extremely beneficial. Yeah, articulated all the things that felt desperate, like all these like random strings of thought. And he's like, actually, here you're not crazy. This is actually orthodox. And I think I think we talked about this just in general, but like when I moved up here to plan a church. I had an older soteriology, which was like, I don't, it was just like, you get saved to go to heaven. And so, uh, part of my existential crisis, like part of my breakdown, my mental breakdown actually was like, I don't think that's what the Bible says. <laughs> like, I think that there's something missing in this formula. And I, I read, uh, I mean, I read surprised by hope by right, which definitely helped how God became King the day the revolution began. And they all took me to the, that place. Yep. And then I read King Jesus Gospel, which kind of put me on the precipice. And then reading uh, Salvation by Allegiance Alone by Matthew Bates just pushed me over the precipice to to make the understanding of, okay, I get it now. And then Paul and the Gift it works very well with it 
to talk about grace and the importance of uh, our response to the grace. And so, yeah, now I had a similar progression, right? Cause it's like, as a kid, you're like, hear the story about the treasure in the field and you're like, okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, I honestly think that salvation by leaving us alone moment. You're like, oh, I get it now. Right. Like where the gospel actually feels like legitimate good news that you would sell literally everything you have for versus this like kind of churchy, like, oh, of course it's totally worth it. Like, Right. It's like, so after I die, I don't go to hell. I go to heaven. And you're telling me that like, that's the, that's the thing that I'm going to sell everything for. I mean, I kind of get it, but like, man, does it feel like good news right now? Like, is it worth sucking right now for like, I feel like mine is a book that took me to the same point on a very different journey. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the journey that you have to have is understanding like the, the gospel is the good news that Jesus is saving King because that kingship is important right now. And having, having gone on that journey is exactly why I'm an ex evangelical. Yep. That. And I finally convinced him of it. Um, next question. Wait, yeah, that is shocking. I, you said that the other day and I don't think I parsed how intense that actually is because we've had multiple arguments where all the rest of us are like, dude, we're not evangelical. And you're like, no, I totally am. This is a big, this is a big deal. I mean, this happened like, a long time ago. I I'll, I just want to say I've never been an evangelical. Oh, Lindsay, it was such a great moment for me when he finally said, Matt, I think you're right. Um, For so many reasons. I can't hold the name. It's just not it's just not a name worth having anymore. And I it's not that I don't think the tenets of evangelicalism aren't good. The basic tenets. But evangelicalism at this point. Well, it's like that's point you got the good news, right? Yeah. Sharing the good news. Yeah. When every time the gospel gets hijacked into uh, just justification by faith, I'm like, you don't actually, we're not on the same team. Just want to let you know. If you weren't all in the AG, what other denomination slash fellowship slash sect slash cult would you be a part of? My own. That doesn't count. It says, it says he could be in a cult. He says non-denominational. I grew up in a town with an actual cult. I can make my own cult. As, as Creed Bratton says, you make more money as a leader. You have more fun as a member. Okay. So what would you do? Where would you go? I know Caleb's. I mean, probably the ACNA. ACNA. Is it ACNA? Is that Anglican? Can you actually say the whole thing instead of this stupid... The Anglican Church of North America. Sorry, I don't know all the acronyms because I am not one of those people. But you know what the SBC is. Uh, that's true. I understand. I can't expect everybody to be an expert of everything. And so thank you for bringing me back to earth. Do you know what the PCUSA is? The, that is the Presbyterian Church of the... I knew some of them, but I don't know all of them. So you do know some of the acronyms. That's Well, hold on. But that's the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America, which is very different than the PCA, which is the Presbyterian Church of America. Do you know um, Kojic? I would probably go Foursquare. See, Vineyard would be up there too for me. I've known a lot of Vineyard people that are not for women in ministry, so... Yeah, same. I'll say, in all honesty, I'd, I'd probably go Foursquare or Anglican. Lindsay didn't say again. Yeah, I'm going probably Methodist or Anglican. Like Methodist, basically Anglican light. Um, <laughs> UMC? Anglican light. Probably, yeah, probably. UMC is United Methodist Church, for clarification. 
which is different than the free Methodists, which is... No one wants to free the Methodists. They need to stay where they are. So the next question uh, is uh, personal questions. What happened to Zach? I really wanted to say he died, but like I felt like that was a little too far. And like no one, we would have talked about that, but like been real sober, but she'd be like, he died. <laughs> Sorry, Zach, Zach, we know you're not dead. Yeah, I don't think Zach listens, but that's one. Yeah, I don't think Zach listens to us, uh, but he had a lot of things going on in his life and he got too busy to keep doing the podcast amongst his school and taking care of his family and, and all of those things. Um, and so he got busy and then he told us that he didn't want to come on this week. Shots fired. Caleb, it was all neutral until just then. <laughs> I mean, he said that it was sweet that we offered, but that we've got it. So, you know. We appreciate Zach and his vision. Yeah, Zach started the podcast. Zach is the is the initiator of this. So, so podcast listener, this is all Zach's fault. <laughs> this podcast would have never started without Zach, and we appreciate all of his contributions. Next, next question. So why didn't Matt do the show at the beginning, but he did the voiceover? So Matt didn't do the voiceover for the first couple of episodes. Um, and then everyone kept doing it. And I'm like, listen, I have done a podcast. You need this pre-recorded so you can just put it in there. Y'all needed it. <laughs> I forgot that we did that or didn't do that, I should say. Oh, it was a struggle. If you go back and listen to the first ones, when you guys are like trying to figure out what the intro outro should be, it was like, it was painful for my ears. <laughs> yeah, I figured that we would figure it out eventually, but Matt was like, yeah, just do it this way. And so we were like, fine. Uh, so that's that's why. So Matt, why weren't you on the show at the beginning? We didn't invite him. <laughs> was there not an invite? No, I didn't invite you at the beginning. We had four hosts. It was like it was like me and Zach, and it's like, okay, we need some people on here, so let's get some women. Um, and I knew Rebecca and Lindsay from the polo group, and I was like, let's ask them, because they're great people. And so we brought them on, and you would not. We brought you on as a guest, but you weren't in the thing. Well, and then, and then Nate, I remember Matt's first pod. He was like, well, I'll come on occasionally, but I don't want to, like do this all the time and uh, yeah and now it's like not just our, now now matt matt's been sucked back in yeah i know i told nate i told nate i was like i don't know what it says about my current station in life but i look forward to the podcast more than <laughs> much else throughout the week i mean i was i wasn't on all the time at first i was very like intentional for a little bit there and then i think uh, Lindsay, I don't remember when you like got busy. That was kind of when I like November ish. We started overlapping more. Yeah, and then Mike kind of started stepping in too. I have I have some I have some friends now who have who listen to the podcast and will just text me every once in a while quotes. Um, and I don't remember them. Yes, that's the best part of editing a podcast. So I've only edited one better pastors. Po or sorry, <laughs> I edited a hundred better pastors podcasts. I only have edited one Barely Safe podcast, and the most fun part is hearing the things that you, or just listening, is hearing the things you said, and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> I said that? <laughs> I will say that listening to the one with me, Dan, and, and Matt, I was like, wow, this is freaking fire. Next question here. How many times have you actually seen each other in person? 
Um, I hadn't seen Rebecca until general council week uh, when we stayed at the same Airbnb. Um, I've not seen Lindsay in person. I've not seen Mike in person. I don't believe that I've seen Matt in person, but I can't say that with certainty that I've not seen him and not known that it was him because, you know. I don't think so. I have not seen Matt or Lindsay. Um, now Mike and Mike actually used to go to my church. Um, and yeah, I saw Rebecca every week for two or three years. Um, probably for a while, Mike knew me and I didn't know Mike <laughs> just because of how being pastor works and you're on. Most people don't know me, but I know them. I, I hide in crowds. Except for the Facebook groups. Oh, yeah, that's different. In person, no one knows who I am. Yeah, so so Mike and I have, have had a lot more. And what's now, you know, what's happened is that because Mike, uh, Mike moved away from our town that we were in. So now I actually talk to Mike and his wife more now than I did when they lived in our town, which is a little sad. Yeah, so Lindsay, you're the only one who hasn't met. And oh no, Matt, you also haven't met anybody in person. Yep, I haven't. Although I might have been in the same place as you and Mike at least once because we probably crossed at a world mission summit at some point and just true. Like we were there at the same time. And Lindsay and I were so close, like just in proximity to each other, that there's a chance we've been in the same place. But um, the other one is what were your first impressions of one another? Now, was is this like is this like first impressions like thinking that why do people hate this Matt guy on Facebook? And then finding out like, oh, that's why they hate him. And then finding out like, oh, I like Matt. Because he's a jerk. I was so relieved to meet all of you. I was like, oh, thank God there are sane people. Like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm curious if like, because I was kind of part, I was part of the U40 and I think Thunderdome before, um, like for for a certain amount of time, like before I joined the polo or before the polo group became a thing, but I'm so I want to go back and be like, did I spar like with Matt or any like who did who did I spar with on Facebook groups before I joined the polo group? Like, oh, I don't know. Me and Matt definitely had some like Facebook debates that I'm pretty sure we've had some of those since then in the polo group and still have those debates. Like, yeah, I mean. The thing with conversations with Caleb have always been like, it's always been influential for both of us. Like we've never come across, we've never come away from an argument with each other, holding the same position that we went in with. No, but maybe like the day, but over time we wear each other down. Uh huh. And then we go like, oh, okay, and and it's great because me and Matt we can sit and we can hash things out and argue like we did last night with Dan on in the book club. And we hashed that out for a long time. And I know there's a lot of people (laughs) that if we would have had that conversation, (laughs) they would have walked away thinking that we hated each other or hated both of us. And we we did that. And we're like, no, we we can we can sit here and debate whether Matt has a stupid idea or not. It's fine. Wasn't a stupid idea for podcast listeners. I mean, that's the point. It wasn't even Matt's idea. We can disagree. But yeah, no, I mean, we had a, we had a, an intense argument last night on, uh, something that it was kind of minutia, but it was, it was a good argument. Entirely minutia. Yeah. Yeah. Over the definition of like half of a thing. So 
how a lot of the discussions that I've been a part of with y'all go. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. But that's the thing. If we, if we, because we agree on most of the big things. <laughs> so, so, so much of agreement. It's like you had to get down pretty far. We agree on the big things. So we have these big fights over the small things. And then people think we hate each other. And then it's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're good. Don't be an idiot out here. We enjoy, we enjoy this stuff. Yeah. You, you want, if you want your theological, um, arguments to be strong and your positions to be strong, you have to have them challenged. Um, so that now, okay. So I have, was in U40 before anybody, right? So I was the, I was the known commodity as it were. Uh, cause I had already made everyone mad because nobody, nobody told me that it was a thing. I had been on staff at AG churches for years, able to get in there, knew tons of people in the groups in person. And when I found out that those groups existed, I was so mad. I was like, Dan and Andre, and what are you guys doing to me? You know, these places exist and you don't tell me you got, you had uh, about to fire some people. Facebook is for old people, so that's why I didn't know these groups existed. So for Mike, Mike was the last person I met in the group. And Mike was uh Mike was the person that Rachel kept saying, you need to add this person to the group. And I'd be like, well, just add him to the group. Because I don't know who he is. And uh and then she like invited him and he his application to just sat there for two weeks before he responded. And I don't let people in who don't respond. Like there's, you gotta have something. So that was, that was the last person I met. I think before that was Lindsay. Um, and then that was via the, the polo group. Mm-hmm. I like Lindsay. She wasn't crazy. Now Lindsay, Lindsay's crazy. Uh, but we, we appreciate Lindsay's crazy. Um, <laughs> Okay, I feel like Lindsay is like at the same point with her liberalness that I am, though, or at least at a similar place, where it's like you grow up in a very conservative place and just see that it doesn't work. Um, And so like that whole thing and like being a student of history and being a student of fascism and being like, no, like y'all are being insane. So we were at that same place together. Yep. We were the group of people for Lindsay who could listen to her and talk her off the ledge just enough where she felt more comfortable. <laughs> She's looking over the ledge of like, what happens if I do it? And we're like, hey, Lindsay, it's a really pretty view. Just take two steps back. And she would take two steps back and appreciate the view. No, for real, like you guys probably were instrumental in like deconstructing versus deconverting. Like just meeting more. You were in that sane- place for sure. Yep. And just like, there are sane people out there that aren't just anti-right. Um. Uh, and then I met Rebecca before, I think next. Um, I didn't know Rebecca at all. No clue. I When I first encountered her in Facebook, I was like, I have zero clue who this person is. I don't even think we com- we conversed on Facebook that much. Like maybe. That's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, I don't think we even. But the polo group was like more of where we, we interacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't remember. This, this is where it starts to get fuzzy for me because that was a long time ago. I know it's been, it, so t- 2018 was when I joined the polo group. Yeah. A July, like right when we moved into this house, because I do remember like one of the very first things that happened was that I found baby birds and I was really excited about it. I joined the polo group in 2019, right? 
Yeah. I had talked with Caleb online before. Yeah, I'd seen Caleb on Facebook. Oh, yeah. We had argued before. It was great. So, I mean, my first impression of most of them was like, oh, these are just normal pastors as opposed to the crazy ones. All right. I think that's probably enough conversation on that because this is this has been real long. Uh, before we move on to our tweet section and then we have one more question. Yeah, we have we have one more question, which we're going to combine two questions here. Um, so we have the question of what's giving you hope right now. And the other question is, what brings you joy? I think it's been actually this process of deconstruction because realizing that the good news is so much better than I thought it was. It means all the craziness is worth it and that God is worth it and his kingdom is worth it. Even when I want to flip tables and like call down fire and bears from the mountains, like you're like, no, like the good news really is worth it. You know, and it's like that, like without the deconstruction and the the difficulty of that, I'm not sure that there would be a lot of hope and joy in the midst of some of this craziness. Um, You know, and just like, I read, you know, like, so Lamentations, right? Like not a book you expect to hear happy things in. You know, I don't know if y'all grew up singing hymns like I did, but the whole, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Like it is new every morning. Like that's from the book of Lamentations. That's not from Psalm. Like that's not a Psalm. That's a, that's in Lamentations, right? And realizing you're like in the midst of these things that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And you're like, <sighs> like that for me, I think has been the linchpin of the hope for this is like the good news is worth it. I don't have hope or joy. One thing that brings me momentary joy is uh, sparkle water in a good book through, uh, as a child, I was a reading fiend. I mean, I was reading Lord of the Rings and Hobbit by the time I was seven or eight. Uh, And then college murdered that. But yeah, I'm finally in a spot through college or through my undergrad where I can now sit in the evening, enjoy a nice sparkle water read a book. I just finished the King Killer, the second book of the King Killer Chronicles. That one was really bad. What? Our friendship is dying. Uh, but what brings me hope? We're we're trying to constrict time here. Um, for me, it's f- my friends. What what brings me hope is the fact that the deconstruction conversation has been happening for a while now. It's not a new conversation that I'm joining in. It's a I think uh, King Jesus Gospel came out in 2011, I believe, right? So, like, this is a conversation that has been been had for a while, and so it's not new, per se. But not the TV show. That doesn't really bring me hope. I mean, it can bring you joy, but not hope. My friend's hot take, Rachel's the worst. Not the Rachel, not, not like the friends group here and the Rachel that we're talking to. To be clear... The move, the TV show, just to be clear, he's not saying that you're the worst, Rebecca. I mean, and I just think that's a bad take. Uh, clearly, Ross is the worst. I don't think any of them are the worst. Uh, definitely, Ro- Ross and Rachel are definitely the worst. They're both garbage human. There's a way that group dynamics work where there's somebody that's the worst. It's how it is. Like, in this, in this group here... Clearly, there's somebody that's the worst. I'm not going to name any names, but they exist. We know that that person's name begins with an M, and that's all we're going to say. And it has four letters. And the, lo- and the long version has seven letters. And they like strawberry ice cream. <laughs> Here, I was trying to make this a little more ambiguous. <laughs> I thought that's what you were both doing. 
but Rachel said that he likes strawberry ice cream. Did you miss that part? <laughs> oh, I miss Rachel's. I miss Rachel's. Okay. Like it's 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 fine. It's good, but good things are mediocre. Like that's my standard. Is like if it's is it mediocre? Actually, on topic question, does anyone else have trouble separating joy and hope? Because I feel like they are so linked together that like I'm heartless. I don't experience joy, but I can still hope that the world gets better. Well, because it's like so when we worked with our students, one of the things we would talk about the definitions we would give was like confident assurance in God's character, right? And I feel like it really works for both hope and joy because it's like. Like in this, like, you know, it's going to be okay. And also like, you can have joy, like you can count it all joy, James style, because you can have confidence, assurance in God's character. I can count it joy for sure. But I mean, I said that jokingly, but like, I don't, I don't even know. Joy, joy is foreign to me at this point. That's why I have to link it to hope. I think, well, the, okay. Actually like, no, I get it though. Well, no, it makes sense though. Cause it's like, when you've been really dealing with the deconstructing, you're like, Hope has to be linked to joy because you don't feel happy about it. You're just like, either God is who he says he is or he's not. And if he is, this is all worth it. Like, and so it's like, it's that confident assurance in who God is that makes it all like a thing that's valuable. But otherwise you're like, well. The hope, the hope is there. And then from that hope, you're like, I feel like, yeah, that's why I link it to joy though. It's like, because because of that, like I can like maybe endure. <laughs> maybe Caleb and I both have really crappy years. And so <laughs> we're just going to go hide in a corner. I, I get a lot of joy from my from my baby. Um, I have a lot of hope that, like, something that 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 struck me after the weird conversation at general council was just um, I. I have a lot of hope and joy in like I don't know if what either of my girls are going to choose to do when they grow up um, as far as a job or whatever, but that they will have grown up seeing their mom in ministry and they will have grown up seeing like a marriage that is a true partnership and not any of the patriarchy bullshit. Um, and that like, that is, is huge um, from what, I've experienced in the last four years of what ministry looks like for a woman in a small town. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I was not really joking when it's like, I don't, I don't know what brings me joy because joy has been a foreign concept for the past couple of years. It's been a really hard period of time, but what gives me hope because I have hope is knowing that Christ is real, what he did on the cross was effective, and that that's the news that I'm called to share. Um, what gives me hope is that in, in this fellowship that we're in, the Assemblies of God, even though it's been hard to stay and painful, I know that God's called me to create space for other people to be here. Um, and that gives me hope that if God's called me to create space for other people like me to be here, that means that there will be space for them in the future. And that gives me hope because it's not easy. You know, this week on Facebook, two people told me that if I think that Mike Pompeo shouldn't have been at council, that I should leave the AG. They private message you that? <laughs> what? And that's a tough place to be at, to be like, 
I'm here creating space so other other people can be here. And the fact that that's what I've been called to and, and God has so clearly told me and confirmed through other people, even at General Counsel a couple of weeks ago, that gives me hope. Because the fellowship that I've had district leaders tell me they're not going to send my resumes to places for lead pastors because I'm single. In that fellowship, I'm here to create space for people like me in the future. And that gives me hope, even though the joy doesn't seem to be here right now. Caleb, you bring me a lot of joy. Caleb, you bring me a lot of angst. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you know what? That's what brings me joy is knowing that I bring Matt angst. That brings me joy. Oh, oh, I'm nice. And Matt gets the, you know, <laughs> shout out. Honestly, it really gives me this image of like, so you guys, I mean, we were just talking about Lord of the Rings. Like one of my favorite scenes in the entirety of Lord of the Rings, um, other than the Battle of Pelennor Fields, which is amazing, is the end of the first movie with Boromir. And like, honestly, what it like, it sucks because like being Boromir just sucks. Right. And I feel that's kind of what Caleb's is like. That's kind of what your heart is. It's like, dude, I'm going to stand here until I can't stand anymore. Uh, which is totally needed, right? Otherwise, the hobbits would totally be dead. But it is not an easy thing and it does not come without great cost. Um, I'll put up with it. I'm still I'm still here. Tweet of the week. Matt, don't bring me down. Don't bring me down, Matt. It'd be pretty hard, though. So. Any anything would be Matt, give us a rage fest. Yeah, I mean this has gotta be a rage fest. So by Dean Abbott, who I don't know who that is, the the ancient world, Odysseus cried, Moses cried, Jesus cried, the Buddha cried. Red pill Twitter, men shouldn't cry. <laughs> I liked it. I I mean, you know what? Yeah. Matt Walsh said that the other day. Like he just he just out and like real real men don't. You can't go through Matt Walsh's Twitter though, because he tweets so much. Like we follow him as a barely say podcast, so I can get some good stuff from him. But it is insane how much that man tweets. Like I think he tweets for a living, and I like literally. I think that's what has to happen. I think he might have a team of people tweeting for him though. Oh, on July twenty seventh. He said, men should not cry in public. It's unmanly and dishonorable. Rare exceptions can be made to this rule. We make far too many exceptions. And he's, uh, it's, it's regarding Representative Adam Kinzinger's uh, testimony about the insurrection. Right. But like, let's, let's be clear. Let's be clear, though. Like, Jesus cried when, when, when Lazarus died, right? Like, and he also cried before the crucifixion, right? Like sweating blood. At least he's having a full-on freakout. It's not. Yeah. Let's be clear. Crying is what biblical manhood looks like. Yeah. Biblical manhood is being honest about your emotions, is feeling things deeply, and going to the Lord with prayer. And if your biblical manhood requires you to ignore the fact that you're created with emotions and fully in the image of God, then your biblical manhood is a made up concept. So that way you can oppress people. The psalmist talks about crying and being weary of it. Right. 
and all these things. It's like, yeah, you're like, it's over and over again. I say the only way, the only argument you could make that would be, I think, valid against this, so like the ancient world is the ancient world also did a lot of really terrible things. So this is probably not the strongest like argument, right? Because also the ancient world didn't think any women were people like Odysseus wouldn't have thought a woman was a person. Uh, I don't think that's true. Okay, so they weren't valuable. They were deformed men. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they were, they were people-ish. They were just super broken and didn't really have a lot of opinion or weight or value. They were deformed. Um, and so that, because they're a deformed man, that means that they're automatically um, on a lower social ladder, right? So a slave, a male slave is higher than a woman, obviously, because at least the male slave isn't deformed. Like, but you're still a person, mostly. Well, I think that's what, I think with the irony that I think is in this, right, is that like, you can't say like, be like Odysseus or Achilles you know, this stuff like manhood, men, men, like fighting monsters and slaying dragons, Beowulf style. And then forget the fact that these men also cry, right? Like, it's like, it's not like they're, we're not just being like, the ancient world was totally right, right? Like, because I feel like that's the one argument you could actually. Oh, no, nobody's saying that. No, yeah, I'm just pointing out that it's ironic that it's like the ironies and the fact just highlighting it because I feel like, not y'all, but like other like people in general, I've lost confidence in their ability to understand stuff. No, it's important to highlight the irony. Yeah, because it's like, no, the point is not the ancient world is right. The point is you can't say like Odysseus is a man's man and he's a model of like wit and cunning and masculinity and then forget the fact that he's like weeping and crying and Right, right. The point is the point is not that these people are always right. The point is that you're being a freaking idiot. Right. You can't forget that he slayed monsters, cried, and maybe had one or two homosexual experiences. Like, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the transition music. And then we're going to play the sound. I've got five minutes and 22 seconds of sound from the floor of the general counsel asking people the answer to six questions. I'll tell you what the questions were. Questions were, what, what, what is your favorite ice cream? What is your favorite? Uh, so what is your favorite bear? What is your favorite uh, color of M&M? And then in response to them answering most people the color, I ask, uh, is that different than other M&Ms? And then I ask you, how many cups of coffee do you drink each day? And then if you could fight one character in the Bible, who would it be and why? And I just want to end the podcast on your guys' answers to that question after after they will have just heard everybody else answer that question. I want to hear what you guys think. I'm doing a podcast, the Barely Saved podcast. Do you mind answering a few questions? What kind of questions? Uh, if you don't want to, if you feel uncomfortable answering, then just let me know. Okay, sounds good. All right. I feel like this is going to be highly controversial. It is. Uh, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Cookie dough or moose right. tracks? I'll probably say uh, cookies or cream. Cookie dough. A chocolate or um, Jamocha almond fudge. Mint chocolate chip. Cookies and cream. Chocolate. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Mint chocolate chip. Vanilla. Favorite flavor of ice cream. That is hard to pick, but you can't go wrong with straight up vanilla because you can add anything to it. All right. You know what I'm saying? So I can add coconuts to it. I can add raspberries to it and it, it becomes the flavor you whatever you want um perry's mint tingling mint chocolate chip i really like tutti frutti strawberry ice cream mint chocolate chip uh what's your favorite kind of bear uh polar bear a gummy bear uh probably grizzly i'm from california black bear pandas gummy bear hey brown bear brown bear i'd probably say a panda the one's from brother bear a teddy bear all right, my favorite bear is uh, Missouri State Bears. That's not an official bear, but it's a mascot. Most state bears, my favorite bear. Brown bear. The grizzly. A Kodiak bear. Um, 
That is a really hard question. My favorite living bear is probably the grizzlies on Kodiak. Okay. Just because they're so awesome. Okay. And not polar bears. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many different really cool kind of bears. I'll just go with that one. The grizzlies okay. on Kodiak. All right. Uh, what is your favorite color of M&M? Maybe red. Do those taste any different than other M&Ms? No. Yellow. Do they taste different than any other M&Ms? No. Green? Do they taste differently than any other M&Ms? I, I don't think so. All right. My favorite type of M&M, though, is peanut butter. Blue. Does that taste different than any other M&Ms? Um, no, but in my mind it does. <laughs> Green. Does it taste different than the other colors? Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite color of M&M? Probably orange, because it reminds me of Rishi pieces. Definitely different than the blue ones, for sure. Brown. Do they taste any different than any other M&Ms? Yes, absolutely. What's your favorite color of M&M? The peanut. The peanut blue M&Ms. Peanut blue M&Ms. Do they taste different than the other colors? They do. The red kind. I'll go with green. Yellow. Do they taste different than other flavors? I don't believe so. I can't taste the difference. I can't taste the difference. I'm going to say green, but yellow or green. Okay. Do those taste different than the other colors? No. My favorite color of M&Ms doesn't matter. They all taste the same. I like all colors. Blue. Blue. Does it taste different than any other m Not really. Yellow. Does yellow taste different than other colors? No. Okay. I just like the color. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? One Starbucks coffee. Three. Um, usually between four and six. One, but two if I'm pulling an overnighter at my hotel. Three to four. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Uh, normally just one. Zero. Do you drink any other kind of caffeine? Any other? No caffeine. You, no caffeine? Not right now. Zero. One to two. Uh, none. Six. <laughs> you know, it depends on the day. How many today? I had five already. It depends how many people I'm around that drink coffee because I am a social coffee drinker. Three. Two. Zero. Zero. Coffee is bad for you. All right. Do you drink any other form of caffeine? <laughs> no. And if you could choose one biblical character to fight, who would it be and why? I'd probably want to take down Goliath just because the giant. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. I'm going to go with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. I feel like he, he would give a good fight. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. I might want to see if I can take uh, David out in a shooting match. Moses. <laughs> Moses? And, and why Moses? Because, I don't know, he, he seemed a little cocky at the beginning, but then it straightened himself out, so I had to punch him out every once in a while. I mean, it'd be kind of boss to, to fight Samson, right? I'll do a Goliath so I can do it in one last stone. Jesus. The prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal? Just one. Just one, though, not the 400. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Samson. Why? Well, I just wanted this uh, for the strength-wise. Not Goliath, so we'll go uh, God, like Israel, wrestle with God. I don't know. Maybe the kid that Jesus took the bread and fish from? David, because Bathsheba. Goliath. Just to feel what it felt like to be David. So I feel like Jacob wrestled with an angel, so I, my, my tendency is to go with someone holy, because I feel like you learn a lot from that experience, right? Okay. So I would probably fight with probably Barnabas because after I lose, he would encourage me. Man, I'll be scared to fight Paul because I feel like he'll fight dirty. Peter is probably scrappy. He'll probably beat me up. If I will fight somebody, it'll be Judas. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be. It, uh, you know what? No, I'll, I'll hug Judas. It wouldn't be. It would be uh, Thomas. I'll fight Thomas. I feel like he's scared and I can take him. I feel like I, I can snuff that homie out. He'll be like, oh, why are we fighting? What, what's going on? And I think I can I can scrap with him. I feel like Paul and Peter will work me. Right. And Old Testament characters, it, it was a grind then, bro. So I ain't trying to mess with none of them. And if you could fight one biblical character, who would it be and why? Gosh, I don't know. You don't know? I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that I would want to fight. 
Um, All right. I don't know. Sorry. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. If you could fight one character in the Bible, who would it be and why? Jacob, he's got a bum hip. <laughs> just smack him in that hip and he'd just fall right over. Freaking cripple. <laughs> that was Mike, not Matt, on the last part. I don't know who I'd fight. I don't know. Jonah? He, he's kind of a dummy. Since we haven't assessed what kind of fighting this is, I want to get in a battle of wits with Paul because I just want to see what he does because he's so snarky and so, like, evisceratingly clever with his words. I actually wouldn't mind being roasted by Paul. I like, I like that direction. That's good. I think I'd fight Jeremiah. You know, he's kind of depressed. He probably wouldn't fight back very much. Oh, no, you say that, but he's like, he's like salty Caleb and me depressed. Like, he's good. <laughs> okay, so something I want to talk about before, before we close this. A lot of people, I think that the idea of fight primed them to think that they want to fight somebody who got fought. And there were a lot of people that answered like Samson and Goliath. And I'm like, those are not the people you want to fight. The point is that you lose in fights to them, guys. <laughs> like, there was one guy who, my favorite response, um, which you'll hear it when it comes out, was the kid that gave Jesus the bread and the loaves. <laughs> He's like, this kid's super kind and caring. Like, I can take him. I'm going to punch him across the field. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, until Jesus comes for you after that. Like, remember the whole thing in Exodus about, like, if you oppress them, I will hear their cry and I will be their defender? You got to pick the bully, otherwise you're on the wrong side of that fight. I mean, I'm pretty strongly a pacifist, so I would have difficulty. I still can't, like, who would I fight? I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't, like, physically fight anybody. Like, I still don't think that I would beyond what's necessary to maybe keep from dying. Um, if I can do that without killing them or hurting them. So I just, I, I would, I like Lindsay's tech of saying, I'm just going to get in an argument with um, any of them and just argue it out. I would love to Game of Thrones fight uh, the Darius, like politically the Darius line in the Bible, because that whole history <laughs> is fascinating. Wait, is that like the Darius, you know, and it's like, you know, we'll put them on a camel's back and send them off to Ur? Can we, you know, that kind of fight or? Yeah, the whole, well, because yeah, Darius, like he'd mess you up, man. He wasn't even in the line of Cyrus the Great. Somehow he's king. No, he wasn't. Man, he just walked in at the right moment and was like, I guess I'm king now. And everyone was like, okay. Yeah, there's a whole like statue that he built to be like, guys, I totally did this legitimately and didn't murder like Cambyses and Bardia. Like, it's fine. Cambyses definitely didn't kill his brother. That's how this works. When you depose a government, you just build a statue that looks old. And that way future generations see the statue and go, oh, they were legitimate. Like, look at the American South. That's why they put up statues, is that you would look back and be like, oh no, that's who used to be in charge. That's who should be in charge now. Um, like, everybody who knows how propaganda works, that's how, that's like... Gotta go for the cultural victory instead, not the military victory. Yeah, well, of course, because that's what we failed to do in Afghanistan, is go for any sort of a cultural victory. That was last week, guys. Come on. It's a call to callback, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Barely Save podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes and merch at barelysavepodcast.com. I'm done recording. Bye. 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 
Goodbye forever, Lindsay, because you'll probably never make time for us again. No. <laughs> <laughs>